you have to do a little homework. You have to vet these companies. So how do you do that? Well, in the past, it was you would go to your local health food store, and mm -hmm. that's where you would talk to the owner, the family, the employees who had a passion, and they were the gatekeepers who looked at these companies, they bought the best products, and they transmitted that knowledge to their customers. It's not as easy today. There's a drastic loss of the independent health food stores. And so you can't go to a, a big grocery type health food store these days and ask these questions because the staff either don't know or aren't enabled to answer things very specifically. So I always tell people, if you've got a good health food store, go there, talk to the people, find out what kind of a store they are and do business with them because they are there because of the passion, the knowledge and the desire to help you be better. Welcome to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for people like you who care about the social impact of conscious companies and everyday heroes. Hear inspiring stories from those who put people and planet before profit and personal gain. You'll learn how you can make a difference, vote with your dollars, and get involved today. Here's your host, Karina Belizzi. Hello, and welcome to Care More, Be Better. Every week, I invite you to care more so that together we can learn and grow and ultimately be better. Today, I invite you to get to know a friend from my work life in the natural products industry, Steve Lankford. Steve and his wife, Debbie, began Family Nutrition Center in 1976, which happens to be the year I was born, as a small independent health food store in Green Bay, Wisconsin. In July of 2021, after all these years, Family Nutrition Center celebrated its 45th year under one owner. Recently, Steve and Debbie sold the store to a young couple whose dream is to carry on the legacy that was started by Steve and Debbie. He currently hosts Health Quest Podcast, where he has been interviewing experts in nutrition for almost 30 years. HealthQuest Podcast has become one of the most recognizable podcasts in the natural products industry. There are over 400 episodes for listeners to explore, covering all of the important topics of natural health and supplementation. I had the pleasure of being a guest on his show recently, and I'll be sure to include a link to that specific show with show notes. Steve's passion is really helping consumers understand how nutrition supports health and how to make wise choices in today's very confusing marketplace. Steve, welcome to the show. Hello, Karina. Thank you. I appreciate you having me here. Well, this is going to be a fun one for me. We've known each other for a long time since Nordic days for me. And I know Stuart Tomk has come on your show many, many times, first talking about Omegas, now in his world of CBD. So it's been a journey, right? It's a wonderful journey. I love educating people and helping them understand some of the challenges that face them in this confusing world. And having been a retailer for 45 years, I've answered a lot of questions for people and I get a sense of what it is that they're trying to understand. And so that's been my passion is trying to help them understand these distinctions and nuances and confusing topic of nutrition and good health. Well, there's just so much to know, and we continue to learn more every single day as science 
kind of affirms in many cases what we thought we already knew from folk medicine through the many, many studies that have been completed. So I would like to know personally what inspired you to stick around in this industry and in the world of having that retail store for so long. Well, it's an inspiration that started way back when I was just a young adult at the age of 21. I started exploring better nutrition for myself. I lived in California where fortunately we had access to health food stores back in that time. And so it was that that started my personal interest, but really what put me on this track and has kept me on this track was I went to a school that studied natural healing and natural modalities of health. So think nutrition, herbalism, massage, chiropractic, shiatsu, all the kinds of things that we could learn back in the early 70s. And I studied and actually became an instructor in my three-year tenure there. That's where I met Debbie. She was from the States and we met and fell in love and had a child. And so after that three years, we moved back to my hometown in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And it was there that I was thinking, well, now what? How do I carry on this knowledge that I have learned, this passion that I have? And we just decided at that time, a health food store would be a wonderful way to help our community because we understood people need access and they need resources to learn from. And so that's when we started our little health food store in Green Bay, Wisconsin. And that was a very different time. 1976 health food stores were very different and they've been evolving, of course, over all of these decades. And it was my one-to-one -one contact with customers that really gave me insight into one, my own knowledge base and solidified my appreciation for what I had learned. And it also helped me understand the challenges that the average consumer faces in what products to use, how to use them intelligently, how to make choices in the marketplace. And so I spent a lot of years behind the counter counseling with people and helping them understand and make decisions. Of course, as a natural health food store, we were an access point for some of the best products, the best companies. And so we acted as a curator for our customers during all of those years. And I don't know if you've discussed this at all, but I was quite involved during the Deshay years, the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act, which all came about in the early 90s, uh, under a threat of the FDA to outlaw most nutritional products. It was something that we came together as an industry and we, of course, passed this bill called the Dietary Supplement Health and Education Act in 1994 which I think is responsible for this golden age that we have right now. You alluded to the science, the wonderful science that's been going on over all of those years. And I credit Deshay for that. And so during these years, we've seen a wonderful growth in the natural products industry. We've seen a lot of changes. We've seen a lot of challenges. And so I started a radio show back in 1995. And it was in that radio show, I did an hour a week where I discussed nutrition and I interviewed some of these fabulous experts that I was learning from. Whenever I would go to a trade show, I would go to these seminars and I would hear these wonderful experts. You mentioned Stuart Tomp. 
one of the best speakers I've ever known and learned a lot from him back in the Nordic natural days and subsequently on into the CBD days. So it was this radio show that gave me a voice. But I was very frustrated because if you weren't tuning in at eight o'clock on Sunday morning, you didn't hear it. And so that was always a problem for me. Right. It's the same thing for every terrestrial radio show. It's the same problem. It is. And so I tried burning CDs and things like that. Well, I was an early adopter to internet technology, and I actually started streaming my interviews in 1999. So I was streaming these interviews well before podcasts were even a thing. And so I did that for almost 20 years. And then along the way, I started hearing about podcasts and the value of podcasts and wondered, how do you do a podcast? So I took a class in podcasting. And within one month, I was able to start HealthQuest Podcast back in 2011. And so I've been streaming the podcast since then, as you mentioned, now over 400 shows. So the podcast has been a wonderful innovation that allows people like you and me to reach a worldwide audience. If we have content that is worth listening to, people can find us. And so that's been my passion. I pretty much turned my store over to other people to run it. And I've been focusing on the podcast um, all these 10, 11 years now. So it's been my venue to reach out to people. And so I interview experts and sometimes experts can be a little daunting to understand. And so it, <laughs> I think we've both been there. Yes. <laughs> been there, done that. So it's been my passion to take what science offers us, what these wonderful experts know, learn from interviewing them and use that as a platform for hoping to make it a consumer friendly source of content where if people listen to it, hopefully by the end of a podcast, they'll understand something about the topic that we're discussing. And if need be, enough information to make a choice to go forward. And so it's just been so much fun for me to interview all of these interesting people. And some industry greats who are no longer living. I mean, if we think about this, like Dr. Passwater is an example that I wanted to bring up. I believe you interviewed him numerous times on your show. Well, actually, it was his son. I was interviewed. it? <laughs> I always tried to get the senior, but never was able to. But boy, what a giant in our industry. But you're exactly right. These voices that you and I have learned from, they are retiring. They are passing on. And it's such a different world today. We don't have quite the same access to them that we had as store owners and as trade show visitors. And so if I can preserve these voices, this content, which I think is just as valuable now as it was when I recorded it five and 10 years ago, that these voices and this knowledge is preserved at least up to a point where I can actually share these experts with others and actually help consumers find those interviews. That's often a trick as well. So one of my things is that I have created search tools so people can go and they can easily search on a topic, a guest, a company, a health condition, and they can find all of the interviews that we've done on those topics. They can pick the ones of interest. And it's interesting because we find people going back in 10 years into our history and still 
finding these interviews and downloading the ones that are interested in. And that's really how it's supposed to work is it's not just good for today, not just good for this year, but good as long as my podcast exists, people should have access to this wonderful content. So it's been a wonderful journey. And I've talked to some of the greatest minds in the natural products industry. Now, one of my questions for you was going to be whether, given the breadth of content that you've covered and the length of history that you have under your belt, if you've been able to go back to those earlier radio show episodes and even air some of them now, is that something you've been able to do? It is actually something that I have been able to do. So as an example, back in about 2006, before the podcast, I had interviewed a fairly well-known herbalist, Michael Tierra, who has been an influential member of our industry. And I was able to bring that interview to my current listeners. And even though it's somewhat dated, the content that he brings and the expertise that he brings and the confidence that he brings is still just as valuable today. And so every once in a while, I get the urge to go back through and pull out some of these wonderful interviews from the archives. I've interviewed, for example, Patricia Bragg. What a history in that family. And I know that she's not readily available anymore, but I could certainly bring out that content. Other people you might know of, Aubrey Hampton in the natural cosmetics industry, Patrick Quillen. For Patricia's, for Bragg's, you'll just have to get Katy Perry to come on now. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I would love to do that. I'm not sure that I would rise to her level of expertise, but you never know. I'm trying to reach out to as many people as I can find who like what I do and would be willing to contribute. And I'm so glad to be on your podcast and was glad to have you on my podcast because we both share a passion. And that to me is what really makes the difference in this industry is the passion that people have for the work that they do. Right. Well, I think this opens a door for me to talk about something that has happened within the Natural Channel for many years now. And that is ultimately the consolidation that has occurred where a lot of what is going on in natural products is becoming a big, big business with big, big companies that are running the show. And it's lost, in my humble opinion, a little bit of the personality that we saw in its earlier phases. And you mentioned also having direct access to some of these founders and industry leaders who have ultimately really built the companies that have really made the difference that we all see today. It's harder to get to them. It is. And often they end up selling to another larger company. So New Chapter is now part of Procter & Gamble. In the case of Bragg's, however, Patricia Bragg sold to Katy Perry. And that may sound like it's a far removed thing, but they actually got to tell their story. I believe it was at Expo West a few years ago. And Katy Perry shared that she had known Patricia for years and years, been a family friend, and that Patricia Bragg actually gave her her first guitar. Yes. So a very strong family connection, which is quite different than somebody like Procter & Gamble buying new chapter. Very different set of circumstances. Or you selling your health food store to a couple that is really focused on having that legacy live on. That's a different approach than what many are seeing out there. So there are a few larger companies that I really have a lot of respect for that have maintained more of that family feel and also the personal care space, Dr. Bronner's, as an example. 
Like they have just really led the charge as a certified B Corp, ultimately putting their employees first, promoting from within the company consistently, as opposed to going to larger companies and saying, oh, I want to get this BP from Procter and Gamble, as another example, <laughs> to come and, and work to scale our business. And so they really have focused on maintaining the culture that keeps them rooted in this purpose as opposed to just the dollars and cents of building the business. Well, I often refer to it this way. These large multinational conglomerates, they are looking for business opportunity. And so they see opportunity in the natural products industry where 20, 30 years ago, we were just a fad passing fancy but now they see that many, many people have embraced good nutrition and supplementation. But here's how I phrase it. They buy the company, they buy the profits, but they don't buy the philosophy that created this company. And so if there is no carryover from the original owners into the new company, I think that's what's lost is Procter & Gamble isn't gonna become a natural products company think of all the products that they carry. And I ask myself, how could they possibly care about health on that personal level if they're going to sell all these other kinds of products that don't fit into this philosophy at all? So it doesn't mean though that the products won't be good or that we can't trust the products that they make. I'm just not so sure that we can count on them to lead us forward with the same kind of passion and interest that an individual owner takes when he sees this opportunity and then creates a great company around it. And we have so many of those kinds of leaders in our industry. And it is that they are getting older and they are selling their companies and they are moving on, which is a reasonable thing to do. It's just unfortunate because it leaves a gap in the knowledge base. And so how to make distinctions in the marketplace, how to vet companies, how to vet the experts and the products. These are the areas where I feel people oftentimes are lost and confused and don't have the wherewithal to figure that out. So in looking at the picture, I look for those companies that still have this personal touch because I think they're the ones that have the passion. They're the ones that have the vested interest and this is where I seek out this science that's emerging and the companies that are emerging. And oftentimes it leaves, in my perspective, these other companies are out of my picture because they don't have somebody that can actually talk about it in the way that a passionate owner can. So it's a challenge both for me to vet those companies and then bring it to my listeners but it is what I do because I know how much they need it and appreciate it. Let's talk for a moment about that challenge, teasing through the BS. Let's just call it what it is. There's a lot of marketing out there that doesn't necessarily have a lot of foundation. Something can sound good and look good on Amazon and not provide the substance of a really mindfully, thoughtfully created product. There are many brands even that don't ever touch the product that they market there. It goes directly from a contract manufacturer to a fulfillment warehouse and into the hands of consumers without really having any one person or group of people feel that kind of accountability for it, which is visible and connected and even possible to get to. And so how do you talk to your audience 
when it comes to things like this, when they might just think, oh, well, I saw it on Amazon for $20, so I'm just going to go for that. Well, it's a constant message that I reiterate on almost every podcast and interview that I do is that you have to do a little homework. You have to vet these companies. So how do you do that? Well, in the past, it was you would go to your local health food store, and that's where you would talk to the owner, the family, the employees who had a passion, and they were the gatekeepers who looked at these companies, they bought the best products, and they transmitted that knowledge to their customer. It's not as easy today. There's drastic loss of the independent health food stores, and so you can't go to a big grocery type health food store these days and ask these questions because the staff either don't know or aren't enabled to answer things very specifically. So I always tell people, if you've got a good health food store, go there, talk to the people, find out what kind of a store they are and do business with them because they are there because of the passion, the knowledge and the desire to help you be better. You do not get that in a drugstore, on the internet, in the gas station where some people will buy their supplements. You can buy supplements a lot of places now, but you don't necessarily get that personal attention. Now, if you don't have that personal attention where you can trust somebody who knows how to recommend a good product and can advise you, then you have to figure out how to do this on your own. So one way to do that is, of course, listen to my podcast, and you will actually learn about some of these good companies and from some of these experts. So I tell people to vet the company, and how do you do that? So first I say, if the company has a physical address, they have an address somewhere listed where they have a plant, an office, or whatever, if they have a phone number that you can call and ask a question, and learn something about them. Being able to contact the company, that's kind of one of my first clues. There are many, many companies, and you try to find out how to get a hold of them, how to call them to ask a question. They're not there for that. Good companies want you to know what they do and how to reach them so you can ask questions and you can learn directly from your contact with the company. That's one way. I also suggest that they look deeper into whether this company has industry certifications. A lot of our industry, the good ones anyway, have embraced the certification programs, the GMP certifications, good manufacturing practices, and other certifications. Certainly these companies have their products tested. I was interviewing one company that tests for over 900 contaminants both in their raw materials and their finished goods. So companies that invest in this kind of research want their customers to know about it. So they're usually happy to transmit that. There's a phrase that's gotten popular called transparency, which is the ability to be transparent about your company and let your consumers know who you are and what you support and what you stand for. And good companies still have that and they will be happy to share that. So certifications are one way. Perhaps awards are another way. Many of our good companies have been 
receiving many awards for the quality of their products, the popularity with the stores and the consumers. And so these are ways that you can find some of this information often on their websites. You can look for that kind of certification because certainly if they've received certifications, awards, they want the customers to know about it. Certainly other people that you respect, and that may be other experts in the industry that you have heard of or read their books, you might be able to learn something about what they refer to and what they endorse. And then we get down to looking at the quality of ingredients and the quality of products and the certifications and testing of these products. And so it's homework. It's a fair amount of work in the beginning if you really want to understand. But it's like shopping for groceries in the store. If you're a label reader like me, and I read labels and I reject most products that I see on the grocery store shelf, but occasionally I find something that, oh, I can use this because more companies are making better products. But you have to pay attention. You have to read these labels. You have to do some research. But once you've done it, then it's a lot easier. You know, I go to the grocery store and I know where everything is that I want. And occasionally I might shop around, but it's still by reading labels. And so you have to decide, are these things important to you? These different distinctions in the marketplace. And if they are, then look for the companies that do that. And once you identify a good company, then you can usually feel free to explore their whole line of products. I don't know what's right for somebody, but I do know if they buy from a good company, they can at least have confidence in the product and explore what this company has to offer in terms of information, knowledge, and quality products. So it's a process and that's why it's easier to go to a health food store and talk to somebody who's already done that homework for you. But if you do that work, then I think you start to learn who you can trust and maybe if you make a mistake and realize not that company, not that product, well, you've learned something in the process and you won't go there again. And maybe very likely you might tell your friends about it. So the knowledge gets passed on hopefully that way as well. So those are just a few of the things that I advise people to try to do when they just don't know. Get some education by doing some research, then you'll be more confident. Right. Well, you mentioned something that I want to address because I think it's true most of the time, but not all of the time. And that is with regard to a product's popularity. Specifically, I'm thinking about gummy vitamins. <laughs> and I consider gummy vitamins to be fortified candy. I mean, if you want to have some candy, I guess that's a good way to get some of it. But even when they are made with tapioca or other fibers to reduce the amount of sugars in them, they still are generally processed sugars. They have to contain quite a bit in order to just adhere. And something like only 10% of the weight of a gummy can actually be actives. And so even if it's vitamin C or a vitamin D or a vitamin B or whatever, or even a multi, you're getting a lot of added sugar your body might not need. We have an obesity epidemic in this country. And so I personally tell people don't do gummies. I wonder what your thoughts are. I have to say, I think the gummy movement is the most surprising thing I've seen. I was very surprised that these would become so popular, so ubiquitous, 
and become actually one of the preferred forms for nutrition. So I think you're absolutely right. I think people who rely on gummies are not really paying attention or they might compare the potencies, they might compare the ingredients and there may be some reasonable gummies out there. I don't buy them. I don't care for them. I've tried a lot of them as samples, but I wouldn't buy them because the potency is not there. And so I think it's just too easy to look at this as an easy way to get your supplementation, but it's not really, from my perspective, a way to have the best ingredients or the best targeted nutrition or the best potencies even. There are big limitations to gummies. And if you're going to use them, read the labels and make sure you know what you're getting. And if that's your choice, go for it. But I don't recommend gummies myself and I don't think they're the ideal form. Yeah. I consider them a waste. I think they're a waste of money. And I mean, it's fortified candy. And if you continue to look at it that way, you might make different, wiser choices long-term. Here's hoping. <laughs> I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, that's part of, I believe you had actually shared your motto in the notes that we started with. The more you know, the better choices you will make, better choices lead to better outcomes. And so perhaps today, just by talking about how gummies may not be the best choice for your supplementation regime, you'll make a better choice next time. Well, I'm hoping that people just continue to grow. We all are on this journey. And wherever you're at, you shouldn't be stuck there. Hopefully you are continuing to learn, continuing to evaluate and move forward. And certainly I would encourage people to look beyond gummies for a better source of intensified nutrition, which is what I think most of my listeners are looking for are ways to achieve higher levels of targeted nutrition that might actually make a difference in their health and how their body responds. And I'm not sure that gummies have any good history of showing that. Well, there's another trend that exists within the natural channel, which is a movement towards trying to get all of your nutrition from food or even choosing to juice instead of take supplements. So I wonder what your thoughts are as it relates to that, particularly because I did just feature an episode recently with Dr. William Lee, who is a New York Times bestseller. He wrote a book called Eat to Beat Disease, very focused on foods, not so much on the supplement side, though he does admit a few key supplements are supportive of health, including an omega-3. But I'm just curious to see what you think and how you direct people to supplement even if they tell you, I seek all of my nutrition from food? Well, I think it's certainly important that food should be the foundation. And I think that people should be looking at their food and making choices as ter in terms of the variety and the sources and going organic when possible, going grass-fed when possible, going wild-caught when possible. There are substantially better resources in food and this is the foundation. However, supplementation, I feel, is really the key if you're looking to do more than what food can do for you. And this is where maybe we start looking into either the therapeutic value of nutrients, or if somebody doesn't eat well, at least they might be able to augment their diet with more targeted and precise nutrition. 
And I think if you look in the studies, which you and I both do, we find that it's these targeted nutrients in certain potencies that are leading to these results. So it very much depends on what the person is looking to accomplish. If they're a healthy person and they're eating well and they don't feel like they have any deficiencies, that may be the case. However, I suspect that most people are going to need more. And you mentioned omega-3. I think that's one area where probably most people are deficient and not nearly well nourished enough to rely on their food for those sources. There may be a few of us, but not most of us. And so the importance of something like omega-3 as a supplement in my mind, and in my mind, it's actually the most important nutrient I can recommend to a consumer, regardless of what their state of health is. I know that if they don't consume sufficient omega-3, and perhaps concurrently reduce the amount of omega-6 in their diet, that they're going to struggle with either inflammation, maybe subclinical inflammation, but it's certainly something that none of the other nutrients that we typically take are going to be able to replace. Omega-3 is unique in its benefits to the body. And if you are dealing with pain and inflammation, it is definitely the most important first primary product to consider and consider getting it in what might be considered a therapeutic dose. And so, gosh, when it gets to talking about fish oil, there are all kinds of products and potencies. And so it's good for people to learn something about these nutrients, why they should take them and what they're going to do for them. So I think that nutritional supplementation is the key towards targeting better health. It's like taking care of your pet or taking care of your garden. You don't have to give them good food or you don't have to take care of your plants and the animals will grow and the plants will grow, but they won't be as healthy and they won't achieve their full potential unless we apply the right things that they need. So we feed our pets well, we nourish our plants and we make sure they get enough water and then we get the results that we're looking for. And nutritional supplementation, I think, is like that. Yeah, we can all live for who knows how many years, but will we live as well? Will we heal and repair and restore as well? No, we won't because we are limiting our own body by not providing it with all the adequate resources. And I think this is where diet, as important as it is, cannot possibly supply us what we might consider these therapeutic amounts, which actually start to then influence health in a more profound way. So I find them foundational, but they don't replace foods. I tell people that you can take supplements, but if you're not eating good foods, a well-balanced diet, a good variety, the supplements can only carry you so far. And so it's the combination of good food, healthy lifestyle, let's not forget all the other good things that we can avail of ourselves, that these nutrients, and especially quality targeted, high potency nutrients in some cases, are really the combination towards getting the best results. And you alluded to my thoughts of more knowledge equals better choices and better choices equal better outcomes. I think that's almost in everything. You can go out and buy a cheap shirt and, you know, it'll look good on you for a while, but it won't hold up and it won't look as good over time and it won't perform for you the way that you want. 
So what's the difference between one shirt and another? Well, the materials, the care, the design, all of the things that are thought about in order to make something better, these are the same characteristics that go into making good supplements. Somebody who cares, somebody who looks at the science and makes distinctions, and then brings a product to the marketplace as contrasted to all of the Amazon marketeers and people in the marketplace who have just jumped on the bandwagon, but could really care less about the end result of the consumer. And if consumers look deep enough, they'll find that there are all kinds of problems with these products in the marketplace. There are many subpar products that are low potency, poor quality ingredients, adulterated products, products with drugs in them. There are so many problems. And if you're not buying from a company that you know you can trust, then you are very potentially a victim of these kinds of marketings that aren't going to do you any good in the long run. And they're just going to pick your pocket. Yeah, they'll pick your pocket and they're expensive, basically fodder for your toilet in the end. Well, the most expensive supplement is the one that doesn't do you any good because of the various reasons why not. Right. So I do want to point out a recent analysis. There's this long-term ongoing study called the VITAL study, V-I-T-A-L, and it was specifically designed to measure vitamin D and omega-3. That's what it's called, the vitamin D and omega-3 trial. It was originally designed to really look at the impacts on overall cardiovascular health and beyond. But recently, they did an analysis, an ancillary study of the results. And in this ancillary study, they were essentially saying that vitamin D didn't prevent bone breaks in older adults. And so they're saying there's no benefit to vitamin D and that the tests for your vitamin D levels having to be over 30 milliliters per deciliter are ridiculous or unfounded and should just be thrown out with the bathwater. I was astounded to read this. I went and read the research. And so I published an episode on the other podcast I host, Nutrition Without Compromise, to really talk about it and to help people understand why these results might not be what you would anticipate because you associate vitamin D with bone health. But the entire story, when you're talking about bone health, is actually more complicated You have to ensure that you're also getting enough vitamin K in your diet because vitamin K is ensuring that the calcium goes to the correct spaces, not to your blood vessels, soft tissues, knees, joints, et cetera, creating arthritis and other conditions in your body. And so if you're not getting the proper balance of other nutrients with vitamin D3 and that omega-3, let's say, omega-3 isn't really associated with bone health directly, but vitamin D has been that we just need to think a little bit more deeply when we see these studies that are looking at one aspect of health and one nutrient for what it can do. And so what I counsel people to do is they see these kind of shock media coming up in the New York Times, as was the case in this particular study that actually saw the New York Times piece hit the day before the study results were actually published on July 27th. The New York Times piece was July 27th. And then the actual study results were published on the 28th. So I've linked to all of these in show notes for Nutrition Without Compromise. The episode is called Vitamin D3 and Bone Health. 
a complex nutrient story. So I'll include links to that with show notes. But I wonder if you have comment also on other studies that might have been similar that basically tell people, oh, let's pump the brakes on this whole supplementing thing. There's no proof that it works. And I'm putting this in air quotes, the no proof. Well, how often have we heard this? I mean, I've been hearing it for almost 50 years. Your health food quacks, your vitamin nuts, your health food fattest. And so those things I've learned to take with a huge grain of salt. But isn't it interesting that out of the thousands of studies on vitamin D that show the benefits of vitamin D, that the New York Times would focus on this one study as if this was the end-all be-all of the science that we understand. And so anytime I would read a study like that, I would do what you did, but then I would also contrast it with what else is out there. I like a site called Google Scholar. There's also PubMed. But if you go to Google Scholar and you put in vitamin D, you'll find out how many thousands and maybe tens of thousands of studies there are. So then you start to look at, well, what's the predominance of these studies? And do these studies corroborate what this one study says? Or is there a whole bunch of evidence on the other side? I will also look to many of the experts that I have interviewed to ring in on these things as well. So the idea that one study is going to tell you the answer and this idea you mentioned that there's not good science for nutrition. And when somebody says that, there's two thoughts that I have. Either they are very ignorant and have never gone to look at the depth and breadth of the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of studies on nutrition that have been done. So they're either ignorant of that or they're willfully deliberately misleading people about it. And I don't know which is worse because they're both wrong. And so to hear these things, which do get so frequently magnified by different media, it must be that they have really good publicists or something like that. Because I don't know why it would be that these studies get magnified and not the other good studies or why supposedly credible sources don't do their own homework when confronted with something like that and pass it on. So it's not surprising anymore. And I realize that there is a huge disparity in information. And when I started in the health food business, there was an idea that maybe only 15% of the population actually shopped in a health food store and the rest of the people didn't care. Well, now we have a time where more people care, but I don't know that more people are actually shopping in the health food store. So we still have this huge information gap because people want it to be easy. They just want, tell me what to do, tell me what to take. And when they read something like that, the sad part is some people are just going to believe that that's the way it is. And therefore, they're going to turn to their partner or their friend or themselves and say, well, why am I taking this? The research says it's not any good. So it's unfortunate because it leads people to discount the value of nutrition because these articles aren't a good reflection of the totality of the science. That's absolutely right. That's not easy to do, but it's possible. So 
what do you do when you read a study like that? Well, you go start to look on the internet and see, is this corroborated by other credible sources? Is it discussed by other credible sources? Is it counteracted by other credible sources? And for those of us who don't have much confidence in those kinds of reports, it doesn't, I think, sway us very much, but it's the person that's on the edge, the person who doesn't know how to research these things themselves. And so they just take them as fact. If it's on the internet, if it's in the New York Times, if it's on TV, it must be true. They wouldn't put things on that aren't true. How can that be? So people have to just understand that just because it's out there doesn't make it true, credible, reliable, or accurate. And you have to face that fact. If you don't face that fact, then you're kind of subject to all the whims and spurious content that might come your way. And then hopefully you just have a friend, a confidant, a doctor, a health food store that can help you understand what might be wrong with that. And so this is another example of where you always have to pay attention and evaluate. Is, is what I'm hearing sound right? And if not, what's wrong with this idea? So stuff like that, it rolls off my back, but then my job is to hopefully paint another picture for people that does discuss the science and the benefits in a more credible way. Yeah. Speaking to something you also said earlier, which had to do with people with bad habits supplementing, I recently saw a very positive study on omega-3s. It was a two-by-two two study, which means that they had two factors that they were evaluating, and it was smoker or non-smoker, omega-3 or no omega-3. So there were smokers who didn't supplement with omega-3, smokers who supplemented with omega-3, then there were non-smokers who supplemented with omega-3, and then also smokers who did supplement. So one group of each that did, one group of each that didn't. And what they found was that the smokers who supplemented with omega-3 had similar health markers to those that were non-smokers and didn't supplement. So it gave them the benefit. It kind of erased some of the damage that they saw from being a smoker and made them like somebody who both didn't smoke and didn't supplement. And of course, the health markers for the individual who was a non-smoker and supplemented with omega-3 had health markers that were better than any of them that showed greater likelihood of longevity. And so if we think about this and we understand that there's so much supportive research for a few key vitamins, and I'm not saying every single thing out there, I personally take an omega-3, a vitamin D to support my brain health, to support my mood health, to support my immune health. I mean, there's so many reasons I take these two supplements together. And then I also take something that's like a greens product and I'll mix that with my protein just to give me an added little push. More greens, more better in my book. And then in addition to that, I take a probiotic to help with digestion. And that's my base. I sometimes take a multivitamin, but I don't take the multivitamin every day. I know it's good for me, but sometimes I forget it because I'm just in my morning routine. And then I also take a vitamin C. It's not a lot of supplements, but they're all researched. They're all beneficial to my health. And sometimes I'll even take some of them a couple times in a day because I'm like, I just feel like I need a little bit more omega-3 today, or I need a little bit more vitamin C. I'm feeling a little under the weather. So I'm going to get my system a little bit of extra support. So that's my thinking. And I wonder, 
given all your years of being in this industry, what your supplement regime looks like? My supplement regime looks very similar to yours. So I do take a multivitamin. I take the omega-3. I actually use a liquid omega-3 because I want to get a higher dose. And my wife wants to get 4,000 units of EPA DHA. So she takes a tablespoon of liquid fish oil. And then I take the probiotic. I take magnesium. I take natokinase. My wife dishes these up, so I'll have to think about it a little bit. But it's about 11 different supplements that I take. And I chose those because of my particular circumstances. And this is what I advise people to do. Figure out what your particular situation is. Try to understand your health. And if you have disease or if you're taking medications, try to understand what the important factors are. Does the medication affect your liver? But the idea of picking a nutritional program based on your individual needs. And so when I advise people, I say, start with the omega-3 and maybe a multivitamin. Oh, the vitamin C, of course, I take that as well, and vitamin D. And then you can start to target nutrients for your particular situation. So my wife has an autoimmune disease, rheumatoid arthritis. She's had it since her 20s, and it's been a devastating disease. And yet we've been able to turn that around. And the most important nutrient that turned her around was omega-3. And learning about the therapeutic dosage of omega-3, and I learned that from Dr. Maroon, who was speaking for Nordic Naturals. And then I interviewed him and I understood because he explained so well how he came to these potencies and its own effect in himself and then in his patients. Put my wife on that in the early 2000s. And in six months, for the first time in 20, 25 years, her inflammation levels came down into the normal range and so have remained there ever since. Now, she also takes some of the newer biologic medicines, which are out there. So it was a combination of these two. The biologics only helped her so far, and the omega-3 took her the rest of the way towards normalization, and the fact that she's been able to sustain that. And because she does take a medication, then she takes things that help protect her liver. There's certainly things like the liver care by Himalaya, milk thistle. And so she rotates between those. She takes one one day, one another day, and another one the third day. So she's always taking something that helps support her detoxification and her liver health. And as a result of that, she's never had a liver enzyme test that went out of norm, which they are testing for because these medications are sometimes very hard on the liver. So it's looking to create a personalized program that makes sense for an individual. And oftentimes this is where if you can find a good counselor, a good nutritional doctor, a naturopathic physician, or a good knowledgeable health food store even, you can start to create a program that's targeted for your particular needs. I, on the other hand, I've been very lucky. I don't take any medications. I have no health issues that I have to seek medical care for. So I just take things that 
I know are either immediately supportive, like the omega-3, the vitamin C, the D, the zinc, and so on. But then I also take things that I hope are going to have long-term benefit for which I don't really know that I need. And that what I mean by that is my father, who I didn't know, had cardiac issues and died fairly young, had diabetes. And so not knowing whether this might be a risk factor for me, I take some things that are good for supporting cardiac health. So magnesium, vitamin D, vitamin K2, and natokinase. These are some specific choices that I take really for their long-term benefit and not really knowing specifically that I have that problem. It's a way of looking into my family history and making some judgments to take some supplements that might support me in those areas. Not everybody has to do that. I don't know that I have to do it, but gosh, when you own a health food store, it's all right there. So you can take whatever you want. And so I had that luxury to experiment with these nutrients as well. And so to develop a program that is targeted to your circumstances. I don't take glucosamine. I don't have any joint problems that that might be good for. But I do have these other risk factors that I do support. And my hope is that by doing that and eating well, I'm going to gain the benefit of some results. Not sure exactly what they might be. One of the ways that I do like to judge is through some of these benchmark tests that are available to us now. So the vitamin D test, my wife and I both took those to see what our status was. We took the omega-3 blood tests, these simple home tests that can point you in the right direction by showing you what your levels are. And then as you make changes, you can test again and see how your results are developing and you can proceed from knowledge that way. So I'm a big fan of these emerging home tests, at least for a couple times as benchmark tests to help us discover where we're at and what the results are of the changes that we make. I love that. And something else to keep in mind is there are other tests that I think are inexpensive and a good idea, especially for people if they are vegan or women that are menstruating. One is the ferritin test because that will tell you if your iron levels are low, low energy, skin issues, bleeding a lot during your period. Those are all sometimes related to not having enough iron in your system. So you're both losing more iron than you might need to because you don't have enough iron in your system. And if you had that more of that iron, you might not be bleeding as much. These are things that you can confront on an ongoing basis. I like to give my blood every three months. And so that serves as my ferritin test because they'll tell me whether or not I can give blood. Yes, right. Simple thing. Something else to consider, the 23andMe genetic test. Now, granted, they then have your genetic material and results for you, but they actually can tell you if you're genetically predisposed to certain conditions. Like I, for one, learned that I might be genetically predisposed to have low levels of CoQ10 which is important for all sorts of things in your system. And so that's another supplement that I check and take on a periodic basis as well. Fat soluble, good for you, no reason not to. And that's exactly the point. Unfortunately, we can't count on most of our doctors to think that these things are important. And if you're fortunate enough to have a doctor or a healthcare professional that does, great, more power to you. But most of us 
have doctors who think nutrition is really a waste of time and money. They don't believe that nutrition can make much of a difference in your outcomes. It's really kind of surprising, refreshing to meet a doctor who does understand it and can work with you on it. But for those that don't, it can be very frustrating because it ends up you don't tell your doctor what you're taking because he's not interested. He's going to poo-poo it and make you feel bad. And so we don't tell them and we just go on our own when we could do so much better. If we had healthcare professionals that understood the relationship of nutrition and lifestyle to health and then medications as an adjunct to that. But that's wishful thinking, but they are out there and sometimes we can find them if we look. And if you can't find one, ask people you know or ask that independent health food store because they probably know. That's right. Absolutely. Well, that's wonderful advice. Now, Steve, before I thank you for joining me today and send you on your merry way today, I'd love to know if there was a question that I haven't asked that you wish I had. And if there was, you could ask and answer it. <laughs> I know. I ask that all the time to my guests. And so I hadn't really thought of it. What I would like to suggest to people is don't be discouraged. Learn to be optimistic and to have confidence that what you put effort into will bring results. And so whatever direction you're going in life, try to understand the people that you're in contact with and try to understand yourself. What are your issues? And if you have health issues, try to understand them in a perhaps a deeper way so that you understand what your personal challenges are because then you might be able to seek out those beneficial nutrients and supplements and formulas that are going to help you. So I hope people will just start to understand that there's good information out there and they can find it and they can dig deeper. And the more they know, the better choices they're going to make. And these better choices inevitably lead to better outcomes. And so we can't get better if we're not doing the things that help the body be better. And if you don't know what those are, learn what they are, find good, credible sources. I hope HealthQuest Podcast is one of your resources. And if it is, I'm happy for that. But don't be discouraged, be optimistic, and know that you can find answers and they're out there for you. So be confident, be bold, and go out and make your journey. It's one step at a time. In five years, you're going to be five years older. So what are you going to do between now and then to make a difference? We can all make differences and baby steps is one way to do it. One step at a time. Don't try to do it all, but learn bit by bit what's important and necessary for you. Be tenacious about going forward and you will see results. Whatever they are, a person that's better nourished will do better in the long term. So whether you're healthy, whether you have a health condition, seek to be better nourished and you will get whatever results nature has for you. I can't predict what that is, but I'm pretty darn sure that if you don't do it, you're not going to get the results. And if you do do it, you're likely to get the results. Well, I think that's a perfect note on which to end. Thank you so much, Steve, for joining me today. Thank you, Karina. I really enjoyed it. 
To connect with Steve and review blogs and content related to HealthQuest Podcast, just go to healthquestpodcast.com. I'll be sure to include links to your show and even to my appearance on your show in coming weeks as we delve into the importance of omega-3s a little more deeply as it relates to overall nutrition and health. As we close today's show, I invite all of you to consider a simple question. Are you providing your body with the nutrition it needs to thrive? We're moving beyond survival to thriving. Addressing this at any point in your life can help you lead a healthier, happier, and more productive life. It's one piece of the self-care equation that we too often leave out. We leave it unattended as we rush to go through our day, buy what's cheap and fast. We need to just slow down a little bit, just a touch, fall in love with the food that we eat, consume a wide variety of great food, do it with friends and family, foster that community, and strengthen your resolve to build healthy relationships with your family, with your friends. Ultimately, this will help you be the most productive version of yourself. You'll be happier, you'll be healthier, and you'll live longer. The choices you make for the food you put on your plate is only the start. You can look to supplements too, and great podcasts like HealthQuest Podcast to help you on your journey. If you have questions for Steve or for me, I hope you'll reach out just by sending an email to hello at caremorebebetter.com, or you can visit my website and click on that microphone icon in the bottom right-hand corner and leave me a message. Thank you listeners now and always for being a part of this pod and this community, because together we really can do so much more. We can care more and we can be better. We can even regenerate earth. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for social good. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And share with your friends to help us reach more people and spread more social good.